Welcome to Caregiver Chats. I'm Dr. Lakeland. Today, I'm going to address the topic of setting boundaries as a caregiver. So stay tuned and we'll get into it. Caregiver Chats is a podcast designed to help those caring for older adults find balance, support, resources, and encouragement. If you're caring for an aging family member or friend, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Dr. Lakeland. I'm a gerontologist and caregiving advocate for Home Instead, an honor company. I know how busy caregivers are, and I'm so grateful that you're taking the time to listen. I also want to hear from you. Please email me your caregiving questions, and I plan to answer them on future episodes. My email is caregiverchats at homeinsteadinc.com. That's caregiverchats at homeinsteadinc.com. Last episode, I dove into family dynamics and the challenges that can arise when a family is faced with caring for older loved ones. Whether your family is tight-knit or has a history of conflict, I hope you'll go back and listen for tips on how to address challenging family dynamics. One of the tips I shared on the last episode was in regards to boundary setting. Today, I want to dive deeper into that topic with my guest, Consuela Marshall. But before I introduce you to Consuela, I want to say a quick happy National Family Caregiver Month. Each November, caregivers are recognized and celebrated nationwide. An organization called Caregiver Action Network does an awareness campaign each year. And this year's theme is Caregivers Connect, where they're highlighting the importance of connections. And this is in an effort to combat caregiver isolation and to promote self-identification. In episode one of Caregiver Chats, I talk about how people often do not identify as a caregiver, which can prohibit them from important resources that could help them along their journey. It may also result in isolation, making many family caregivers feel alone. My hope is that this month, National Family Caregiver Month, you feel connected to the more than 58 million family caregivers across the U.S., I hope you also feel appreciated for all that you do for your aging loved ones. And I want to add my sincere thank you. Okay, now back to the topic for today, setting boundaries as a caregiver. I mentioned that I have a guest. Her name is Consuela Marshall. She is an occupational therapist and caregiving coach. Consuela has many years of experience in the home health setting, working with aging individuals and their family caregivers. She also has been a caregiver herself, caring for her mom. It's through her years of personal and professional experience that Consuela has learned the importance of setting boundaries in caregiving. I'm so excited to dive deeper with her into this topic today. Welcome, Consuela. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, Lakeland, I am equally excited to be here. This is great. I'm excited to share today. I am as well. I've been looking forward to our conversation, Um, and it's a really important one. Uh, We're talking about boundary setting. Uh, But before we dive into all that, I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So would you mind sharing a bit about that personal and professional background that I just mentioned? Yes. Uh, I've been an an occupational therapist for over 25 years, so a great deal of that was spent in the home health setting. While I did start in a clinical setting, I just really found my comfort level in the home health setting because I just have such a love for the caregiver, and I knew that there was just such a big missing component 
in educating them when we're in that sterile environment of the hospital that it was just a more intimate setting in home health where I could really get to learn about the caregiver. So I've had quite a long journey in in home health and I, I really love that setting and it really prepared me for what I didn't know would soon be me having a travel a journey of my own in caring for my mom. So those years in home health gave me quite a arsenal of tools. Uh, in addition to my schooling, uh, that knowing firsthand what caregivers experience and the schooling and then other things that were I was going to later discover in the journey with my mom. All of that has just really giving me just a heightened awareness of how much support that caregivers need and how learning to walk into that role can really mean the difference between uh, really struggling a lot or minimizing those struggles and really ending well in that caregiving journey. So that is my heart's desire is to help as many caregivers <laughs> end well in their caregiving journeys. Oh, that's wonderful. And mm -hmm. have all of that experience leading up to kind of the care of your own mom. I know I've talked to many professionals in this field. And, you know, even if you work in this field, it still never quite prepares you for your own personal caregiving journey. <laughs> tell me, Not tell me more about that. <laughs> you know, you, you know, working in the field, it does give you a, a great knowledge base. You're not mm -hmm. totally blind in the dark. Yeah. But you can erroneously think you got your stuff together and you're prepared for that. But I quickly learned that I was very, um, the blinders were still on. My perception and the lens that I was looking through was not the complete picture of caregiving. And it wasn't until that emotional aspect of caregiving was put on top of and pressed down really very <laughs> tightly on top of the physical challenges that I was facing with my mom. Because as an, as an occupational therapist, I knew going into my role as being a physical caregiver that I had the skills, that I knew the transfers, I knew um, aging in place. I am a certified aging in place specialist, a fall prevention specialist. So I thought I got all of this together. Okay, mom needs me. I'm well prepared. This is going to be a breeze. But that emotional piece, it, it clouded the other parts. I couldn't even mm -hmm. think about what to do physically <laughs> and what to do. All the things that I thought I knew so well, they were so diminished by the load of the emotional toll that it was taken mm -hmm. upon me that the things that I knew not to do physically, I was doing them anyway, because <laughs> I was not able to really keep my head wrapped around how to properly walk into this role because I was just emotionally overwhelmed with seeing her, seeing her decline in health and not really being able to stand up like a daughter to my mom and not feel like I don't have the right to do what I know is a better approach to caregiving because I had fears that I was overstepping my bounds and that I was being disrespectful and that I had to follow her instructions. And it led me down just a role of just physical exhaustion. So 
Yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow. And and that lends so well to our conversation today about boundaries, because often yes. caregivers find themselves in a very similar situation that you just mm-hmm. described, you know, but for many, they don't have that professional background. They're they're in this caregiving role for the very first time. They're trying to navigate all of the impacts, you know, the, the physical, the emotional, uh, navigate that relationship. I think it's so interesting that you just shared, you know, you you wanted to be respectful because you're the daughter, but uh, you knew maybe that wasn't the best option. And so yes. all of these things can be, again, very overwhelming. And so when setting boundaries, it can be intimidating. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. why, why, Consuela, do you think it is so hard? Uh, any other thoughts around why this is so challenging uh, as, as something to approach, you know, in the setting of boundaries? You know, I think, People, like even for me, when I hear the word boundaries, I think it is so something so abstract, something that really takes a policy and procedures manual to really figure <laughs> out how, how to set a boundary in my life. And I was overcomplicating it. And I think when people hear setting boundaries, that they first have to go through some 10-step learn how to set boundaries things before they can really set boundaries when i like to uh, share with those that i'm coaching is boundaries are that way of setting that fluid line around your life that it's going to be like almost it's nothing set in stone anywhere it's like a rubber band around your life <laughs> like you're standing inside of something very flexible and really knowing what the big big things that bring stress into your life and then what are those other areas of your life that you're able to lend yourself in the support of your parents while also knowing uh, if I go beyond this in helping them this is not going to be a good thing for me mm-hmm. and if you can know and think about boundaries is what is good for me in my life and what is their need in their life and knowing that our boundaries will will sometime go into areas of our life where we have to compromise maybe we won't go to get to go swim seven days a week i mean i'm just using that for an example (laughs) but because if your parent has a need we're going to make those compromises in our life and those what boundaries are. What can I afford to compromise in my life because I want to support a need in my loved one's life? And you start drawing those little, you sort of making that that flexible band around your life or that outline in chalk around your life about this is where I can fit my mom's needs in when it dips in you know when she has a need on this that fits right there or even if it doesn't fit and it hurts a little bit that's okay I can push back a little bit on that space and allow for opportunity to fit a need in your loved one's life and those are what boundaries are and the thing is you get to choose them you (laughs) are the one who sets the boundaries so if you're setting them then they should be achievable. And when you're seeing that they're not achievable, then the luxury of it is you get to pull those lines or redo, un, erase that chalk mark, chalk mm-hmm. mark, and move things around to accommodate what their needs are as your needs are also changing because 
your life is fluid too. What you can do today, you may not be able to do in two months because now you have a new obligation. So those are boundaries. And if caregivers can take ownership of what are things that are most important to their lives, it, can, it becomes easy because you're going to start safeguarding that, you know, like, okay, I'm going to safeguard this and allowing for what remains to be what you can extend into the life of your loved one. Yeah, I love that imagery of that flexible boundary yeah. and being able to mm-hmm. kind of morph and shape it as your loved one's yes. needs kind of change and, mm-hmm. and as your life changes and, and, and it, 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 while it's not always easy, uh, or you might have to really kind of stop and think about it, can really help set you up for success in caregiving. Because when there's a lack yes. of boundaries, mm-hmm. then things get kind of sticky. You know, what, when, I, when I share about, about, when I talk about when there are no boundaries, it's just like whatever presents itself that needs to be done or wants to be done, you do it. Whether it's a true need, a want, a routine, a habit, all of those will, if if you don't have boundaries, it just becomes, what do they want you to do? And you do it. Mm -hmm. And then you slowly lose your ability to attend to the other things in your life that are important and that will keep you healthy and keep you able to positively, in a positive mindset, continue your caregiving role. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I know when we spoke earlier, you had mentioned this term, the value of being inconvenienced and kind of navigating that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will you talk about that? Because that was kind of like an aha moment for me. You know, what does the value of being inconvenienced mean in terms of this conversation around? Yeah. When I'm talking about that, I take it from two angles. One from Mm -hmm. the, the caregiver. Uh, there is just such a blessing, such reward in being inconvenienced, inconvenienced for the need of someone else. So there are going to be great rewards for that, but there is a limit. <laughs> there is a difference between being inconvenienced. Conven- in, there's a difference between being inconvenienced and totally neglecting the needs of your life. So that's one term that when I when I often use the value and the importance of being inconvenienced. But I often use it in context of the person you're caring for. It is not healthy for you to think as a caregiver that as your aging parent or your disabled spouse or whomever you're caring for, who's no longer able to totally care for themselves. It is a big mistake to think their life cannot be inconvenienced. In the way, in an example of that, your mom or your dad were accustomed to doing these certain things. It's just their habit. They've lived in their house for 50 years, and they are. this was their Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine. Tuesday, Thursday was laundry. Or if it's someone that you're assisting in and out of bed, they have their routines of when they want to, when they want to get up and when they want to get back put back in the bed. And you can run yourself ragged because you don't want them to feel inconvenienced because you may feel that, oh, they've gone through so much in their life. They're, they're, they're hurting and, and pain is a different thing. So I shouldn't maybe use that for an example. Again, they need me. They, they're, 
they like to do this. They want to get up at this time. And you don't want them to be convenienced because you want their life to be the same or they want them, their lives to be the same as it was before that critical event occurred. So you work yourself ragged so that they are not inconvenienced because you want their life to go on as if it never happened, whatever the it was. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they, they do not get the opportunity to grow, to stretch, to live into their new role, accept their limitations, and even grow within their limitations of what can I learn in a different way? Because you are forever trying to keep everything this, the same for them, and you're doing it to the detriment of your own health. So that is such such an interesting perspective, you know. And so, so how did then? You, you coach caregivers through finding that balance of, you know, do, you mentioned compromise earlier. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, okay, if both parties are being, or if one party's being the caregiver, maybe being very inconvenienced because they're mm -hmm. trying to accommodate the person they're caring for and not inconvenience them at all. How do you get maybe to that middle ground? Well, I'm telling you, your body has a way of getting you there if you're not careful. If you don't <laughs> do it voluntarily, you will start to, your body will start to tell you things like the fatigue, <laughs> the headaches, all of those things that come with trying to do too much. You know, and in preparing for this, I was just thinking back on things like when caring for my mom, she liked like a certain soap opera that she liked to watch at a certain time of the day and be able to get in bed directly after that time and be put back to bed because she couldn't do transfers unassisted. For a long time, it was very inconvenient for me to do that because I had bus duties, I mean, like dropping off and picking up from school and running these errands that really happened right around that time she wanted to get back in bed. And it was causing me so much stress and being late and having to go to aftercare, you know, all of these things that come with mom not being in the carpool line on time. <laughs> it was uh, when life becomes so difficult, it is time to stop and take inventory of what are those things in your life that are not negotiable, that are called that are causing you so much stress that you've got to weigh the options and have those hard conversations. And I guess one way of how do you get care? What do you tell caregivers to do? Have those hard conversations mm -hmm. with yourself first, because if you don't admit to yourself that you're driving yourself ragged when my mom could my mom and this is eventually how we resolve this you will have to sit there in your chair until I get back in 30 minutes it takes that time that it would take me to get her settled back in always had me late for carpool always had me you know I'm always running I hope I catch the light I hope I catch the light you know <laughs> trying to get every light to get there and not run over someone when it's just looking at what is it you know and looking at the big picture can this be changed why am I feeling this way? And this is going to be the end of the world. Is this life or death? Is this one of these critical things that cannot be changed? And if they can't be changed, then that's when we start to talk about the add-ons. How do you add on support for what you need in order to, to continue 
to meet that particular need in your loved one's life. So it's like looking at what are the non-negotiables in your life? Who are the non-negotiable things in your <laughs> life that you have no wiggle room at that particular moment. It doesn't mean there is never an opportunity, like maybe they're, they're staying late and going to aftercare programs or have a sports thing going on. And I can say, hey, I can get you in bed later today or, or, or on time today because I don't have to rush today. So it's always making these um, decisions. And those are boundaries. And it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot of, you know, it doesn't take the policy and procedures manual. It's just like <laughs> taking inventory of what are you feeling? Where is that stress coming from? And what can mm -hmm. I do today to move those boundaries around, around what will make my life function better for this moment and for this event? Yeah. Well, that's a, I like that example a lot. So it's, it's really just kind of evaluating those points of stress like as a caregiver, okay, when am I feeling the most stressed throughout my day or week? Mm -hmm. or, and then evaluating, okay, can we set a boundary here or adjust things? Mm -hmm. uh, and I like that you mentioned the add-ons to, you know, is it time for me as a caregiver to get more support? And that's a lot of times when we get calls at home instead, is yes. caregivers have kind of hit that like breaking point yes. of that burnout. They're like, I'm mm -hmm. super stressed or we really need to bring someone in to help so I can balance my life. Um, yes. And then that can also kind of help create that kind of equilibrium again um, because, you know, everyone feels supported in that moment. So, yes. and I'm sure you've seen that kind of from a home health perspective as well. Oh, most definitely. And knowing that it is okay to ask for help mm -hmm. and looking for those opportunities in your life, whether it is a family member that's available short term on some occasions who may have even asked in the past and letting go of this need to fix it all yourself. Mm -hmm. And and for me, it, it came with the, the realization that just because I could do it doesn't mean I should be doing it mm -hmm. and doing it in the amount of times that I was doing it. And not setting those boundaries by saying, "Oh, that that didn't feel good in my body when I when I did it when I you know did this particular movement and trying to make those adjustments by adding on people, in and 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 having some type of agency of uh, to come in and help you, I think is a, a wonderful option for those caregivers who are looking at their outside relationships and saying. I'm really not having the quality of time that I need with my husband. I really don't have that quality of time that I'm really needing for my kids who are in various stages are, are really wanting your attention. And then it comes back to, yeah, you could do it, but should you be doing it? And is it worth the cost of alienating a spouse or a child? And so I'm like, you know, and for me, it's like, get the help, <laughs> get yeah. the people who can come in and reduce the workload that you're under. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you talked kind of, you've hinted a little bit at this physical boundary too. So we have kind of the emotional boundaries mm -hmm. that sometimes you have to set, but also the physical boundaries. And I would imagine as an occupational therapist, you work a lot with family oh, caregivers yes. to find new options 
in your physical environment to make the caregiving role easier. Uh, so can you yes. talk a little bit about that or share some examples? Because I yes. think that that's super interesting. Yes. So much of why we are physically tired, emotionally drained, can't even think about the things that have dropped off of your life is because we're doing too much. And part of doing too much can stem from the environment is just not conducive to you being as efficient as you can. And as a certified agent in place specialist, I am always looking in an, in the environment. So as I'm entering to a home health situation and taking inventory from the patient of what are their limitations are and what their needs are and how the caregiver is helping them and really looking at that, looking at that relationship, but then also looking at the environment and, and trying to see how we can set up this environment so that knowing their limitations, what can we do to in- enhance their abilities? You know, even if it's, if it's something like self-feeding, you, you would think, oh, that's, that is not physical, but yes, it is. If, if they can do that for themselves a little bit more efficiently, you can do something else like mm-hmm. rest or do something. So really knowing how to set up the, an environment so they have access to self-feeding. They're posturally in the right position in self-feeding. All of those things can allow them to have more efficiency and more independence with that and gives you less to do. And looking at just transfers. Why are transfers so hard with getting on and off the bed, in and out of chairs, on and off the toilet, uh, bathing? And we're looking at the environment and saying, how can I modify this environment? So task, run, more efficiently. They can do a little bit more for themselves because you've now made environments that you've set up the environment to add in more safety features. And most people know about grab bars and removing throw rugs. And those are just the beginning. And if if they're Mm -hmm. throw rugs and yeah, get them out of the way, they do cause injuries from falls. But there are just so many other things in the environment that can be changed and set up in the right way that allows a person to transfer in a more safe manner, uh, that allows them to do tasks without the caregiver sitting to rest and they say, can you come do this? Can you do this? You know, and you're having to get up constantly to do things. You have to look at the environment to say, how can I allow them to have more independence Mm -hmm. in whatever stage from beginning stage, middle stages, and even, even into some of those latter stages of how do they become more involved in the smallest of tasks and you be freed up to do other Mm -hmm. things by making those modifications in the, in the setting, because it's not often what you're doing. It's really how you're doing them. You know, mm-hmm. I can go and I'm like, look, I know why you're hurting and I know why it takes you two and a half <laughs> hours for them to get up, get breakfast. And by the time you sit down, it's time to get started on lunch. Let's talk about your whole routine and let's look at how we can make this safer. And let's really look at, is it time for a plan B? Because sometimes we can get, you know, caught up in, in doing certain things a certain way Mm -hmm. and it's no longer 
applicable to that person because they don't have the trunk control. They don't have the stamina. They don't have all of these physical things that need to be in place. And as a result, the caregiver is working harder, 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 harder Mm -hmm. at trying to get the same task done in the same manner when we need to look at the changes that need to be done in the environment that eases the load of the caregiver and makes things go a lot smoother. Yeah. Gosh, that, that is such a great way to look at it. Um, and, and I don't think maybe a lot of caregivers take the time to stop and consider, okay, is the routine that we have, um, has the person's abilities changed in a way that this routine is no longer efficient? That's right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so just by doing little things like that, I uh, can help free up more of that time. And, and it sounds like, you know, also give caregivers back a little bit of time to care for themselves and make sure that they're, yes. they're taking care of their own well-being. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's important. You know, and one example that I have is there is a house, the bathroom door was so little, the wheelchair wouldn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And so daughter was having to really lift mom. And and it was a labor to take the one, two, three, four, four steps to stand in front of the toilet to turn when a simple modification in just opening the bathroom door by six inches would mean the night and day difference of mom being able to just wheel the rope or daughter push the wheelchair up to right where they needed to be and mom could easily stand hold a grab bar turn and you're right there at the toilet area but mom wasn't willing to i don't want to do modifications into my home i don't want people rip you know she was just really set on not having the modifications but the daughter and the daughter continued and the daughter's health was not the best. And it's, it's like, what will it take? You know, a fall, mm-hmm. an injury and all of those things. And when you can make, a, have those conversations and stand your ground on, these are some things that have to be in order for me to stay within the boundaries of what keeps my, me healthy. Uh, you're, you're not going to allow those changes to take place then you're going to allow things to continue longer, longer, longer until you're sort of forced because your health is now saying, I can't do it even if I want to do it because you as a caregiver have have had an injury doesn't allow you to even participate in those tasks anymore. Mm, that's a really good example. And well, sometimes when I'm talking to caregivers, I kind of have them maybe reframe the discussion to say, okay, mom, I know you want to stay in this home and I want to continue to care for you. And in order for us to do that, then these are maybe a few things we need to consider doing to to allow me to continue to care for you and keep you here where I know you want to be. And so sometimes it's all about the way you approach the conversation. Oh, exactly. Exactly. If you have any more tips kind of like that on how how to Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and and some of the things like as therapists, we do give certain exercise programs and the patients will walk me back to to my car and say, mom never does those exercises. She doesn't do, you know, all like I may give an exercise program or even a technique for doing certain things. And then in the privacy outside the earshot of the patient, you know, the caregiver is just really, and I'm like, well, how do you approach them in doing it? Well, I told her, you better get those papers out because you don't do the exercises. And that therapist said, I'm like, well, maybe if you change your approach, how about you saying, look, 
I think I need to do some exercises myself. They won't hurt me. Look, let's sit and do the exercise that the therapist said. And let's, let's just work on your strength because it's going to make you better. It's going to help us. So I'm always like, no one wants to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. If you can share with them the benefits of doing that and your willingness to even participate in that, uh, in, in helping them make the best decisions, you know, possible, help support them in making that, those best decisions, you may get a better outcome than trying to bow, bow to beat them <laughs> over the head with trying to do something that you really are, which is easy, which is a better way. You know, you know mm-hmm. a better way and it is the correct thing to do, but sometimes it's that approach, like you mentioned, that will help get yeah. the positive results that you need in that situation. Yeah, sometimes you have to get them to the mindset that it's their idea, <laughs> not your idea, too. That can sometimes help. Oh, that <laughs> is so true. And I I have seen that work quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> well, and Consuela, it sounds like, you know, having an occupational therapist come in can be so beneficial. I really don't think a lot of people know the benefits of using an occupational therapist. They so don't. If, if a caregiver wanted to have someone come in, what's the best way to go about that? Do they talk to their physician? Do they, um, yes. you know, tell us more. You know, um, home health is definitely a, a, a great benefit. And when you think about occupational therapy, if people would think about that word occupation Occupation just means what are the things that you want and need to do to, to, to sustain your life? And it can be from your job occupation. I mean, from your work. It could be uh, a baby learning to crawl. It could be a baby learning to sit and walk. All of those are occupations because those are things that you want and need to do. So when we take that into the context of the geriatric population, what are some things that they may want and need to do given that they are advanced in age or have had an injury or have a certain diagnosis. And if a caregiver sees a deficit in those things that they're struggling to do, and especially in the way of personal care tasks, because those are things we do want and need to do. We need to be able to be efficient in eating, in grooming, in dressing, in toileting, in bathing. And occupational therapists can assist in determining what is the best approach to those by doing a body assessment to see what their deficits are and what we need to be working on as far as their body in a way of strength and endurance and all of that. And then looking at the environment and looking at what are some practical ways of doing all of those lists of those personal care tasks. So if a caregiver sees deficits and they qualify for home health, that is the ideal thing. Getting the the, um, um, physician to write an order for occupational therapy, so we can come in and do those those tasks for them. Let I me mean, help their loved one to learn to do those tasks more efficiently. And where I come in as, as finding a foothold is there's often a gap between it maybe not being the patient that needs, they're at the max of what they are. They are. They've had all the therapy in the world. They've had the stroke years ago and they've had several rounds of therapy since then they have the equipment but then you may still have a caregiver that doesn't know how to evolve as that person has evolved sometimes just needing a caregiver training is what they need and then oftentimes if it falls upon the scopes of do they qualify this for this under home health 
that would be the easiest route to do it is to get a home health consult and seeing if we can get home health to come in um, or some private-based occupational therapists to come in to evaluate the situation. Yeah, I think that that occupational therapy is such a wonderful resource, again, that a lot of people don't know about. So thank you for sharing more about that. And you mentioned finding a foothold, which I know Mm -hmm. uh, you have a website and a podcast and you do Mm -hmm. some caregiving coaching and uh, you have just so many great tips through that podcast that I that I've heard you talk about. So, how do people get connected to finding a foothold, um, and where can they learn more? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, FindingAfoothold.com is the website, <laughs> and starting there, you will see the podcast. And the podcast is set up where I take questions from caregivers on a range of challenges that they meet and struggles they may be having in the day-to-day doing of caregiving. It may be from something like I am having a hard time um, with the morning cleanup routine. How do I set up things at night better so that the mornings are easier? How do I look at my trend, the transfers and what do I do when mom doesn't want it, want to, um, use a bedside commode and she wants to walk into the bathroom at night, you know, all of these options, all these, all of these questions arise in the, in the, just in the lives of caregivers. There's those everyday things that need to get done. The podcast is there. Um, there's a jot form that you fill out, put the little question and I will turn that into an episode of the podcast where I share my experience because if you're you're having a problem in an area in an area I've probably been there or in the hundreds of homes that I've been in and doing 20 years of home health and there there have been hundreds of homes that I've entered I've seen it and I've I probably have ex- have some experience that I can share with you about that so that's the podcast and a blog that mirrors that and also the group coaching that's my heart. I have uh, currently a group coaching program called Unlosing You in Caregiving. And what it does is really get the caregiver to really reconnect to their lives by getting you to really take note of what has left your life and what, you, what did your life used to look like and how you can continue in caregiving and start to re-embrace some of those things by learning how to make caregiving more efficient. And I do steer away from that word self-care, although it is a really needed thing. But if you try to say do self-care and you have not put in place a system to make things more concise, more efficient, more streamlined in a caregiver's life, telling them to do self-care is just like giving them something else to do. That's impossible. Because they're already doing impossible because they're trying to do so much. And then you want them to do the impossible task of taking care of themselves. And they're, they're like, I'm, I'm tuning out. I don't I can't hear anything beyond self-care because I can't even comprehend what that is. So in unlosing yourself in caregiving, I'm just showing you how to be more efficient, safer knowing what to do, how to know what your boundaries are, how to recognize all of these things that have pulled you away from your life. And in doing that, you will find yourself with these blocks of time that you're going to be like, 
what do I do? What do I do? I mean, what can I do now? I have nothing. Now, there's probably, I won't say nothing that I can be doing in caregiving because you can always think of something. But you'll come to that point in caregiving if when you become so efficient because you have set the boundaries on what you're going to do. And once you set the boundaries, you've learned how to do and what you can't how you're going to insource through home care friends, family, and all of those pieces that have to be put in place. And then there are going to be some hard no's that like, that's done. That's never happening again. You know, that part of your life, dear one, just can't take place anymore because I don't have the support to do it, which may eventually mean the setting needs to change because their needs are more intense and your life is so complicated or so in a way that you cannot feel all the voice that need to be taken care of. So the unloosing yourself will allow you to see self-care, to do self-care, to be self-care, to do things for yourself without even being told because you're going to have all of this, not all of this time. So you're going to, you would have created time that's going to allow for all of these little pockets throughout the day as you're becoming more efficient with doing tasks and getting the hang of how that feels when someone comes over to help. And then you can grab, get more help in, you can grab more help. And before you know it, you're rebalancing that. And so unlosing yourself in caregiving allows for that, um, those opportunities uh, to be possible. Oh, that's, uh, again, another great way to look at it is, you know, making your caregiving more efficient. So then you can focus back on yourself. Yeah. And, and that, that term self-care is, you know, one that is a little tricky because it is so important, but so it's, um, for so many, it seems impossible. And so I love the way that you have reframed yeah. it in your, in your coaching. Yes. And, you know, can I, I want to also talk about a new venture, yeah, please. A new I'd love thing to hear that, about that's it. coming up in <laughs> November. So it's a new launch. Um, and I want to say that Finding Your Foothold has been a, in existence two years. So it's been an evolution. I, it's been a great journey. And I, I love where I'm at now. And I'm hoping that things continue to evolve. And so the next part of this is really focusing on that aging adult. So the unlosing yourself in caregiving is focused on the caregiver. So what I would like to do is really tap into those aging adults, those seniors who are still in their home um, and may have concerns about their own safety and really just really waiting for the shoe to drop and like they know things are not right. Is Are there things that can be done? And the answer is yes. So with that, certified uh, agent in place specialty that I love emphasizing, I get to talk to those seniors, those aging adults, and showing them how to set up their environment, get them to talk about what are some things they're struggling with that they don't want their parents, their their children to know about <laughs> what are some things that they're no longer doing because they're afraid they're going to fall. Do they, do they, do they ever not do a task because they are afraid. And there is something called uh, the fear of falling. Mm -hmm. And that is a diagnosis. I mean, not just falling, but there is the fear of falling. And that diagnosis of the fear of falling makes a person weaker. 
they may think, oh, I want to get up and go check and see if I have something in the freezer. And then they say, no, but I don't want to get up because I may fall. I'll just do it whenever I get up to go to the bathroom. I'll swing by. You know, and they start having all of these compromises in, the, in their mind because they're trying to minimize those needs to get up because they know they're not safe. But in doing that and in sitting longer, they're actually becoming weaker because they're less active because they are they have that fear of falling and it just it's a snowballing thing that brings a caregiver into the picture probably a lot earlier than it needs to occur because when the falls happen or when daughter visits and notice mom is moving slower and not doing as many things then the caregiving role gets activated. <laughs> and before you know it, then daughter or son are really in the picture. And so with the new uh, coaching that I will be launching in November, and I really have already started here, it here locally in, in, my, in my city, it is called Stay, Staying Safe in Your Place is the group coaching program. And that is well, is also online where you can take a, a look at that program and being able to sign up for group coaching on um, beginning in November. So real simple, they're both subscription based. You can sign on for one month and they both it will give you access to two sessions a month. And then if you decide to take the next month off, you don't have to, you're not obligated, but then you can sign on as needed but each month is going to be each month is going to be packed with a lot of information topics that I can really break down a whole home and like this month let's just talk about the entry let's just talk about the kitchen and really leaving time for feedback on specific questions that the Asian adult has and then even with the caregiver side, uh, caregivers may, may have in that group coaching program. So that sums up what finding a foothold does. Wow, that is so great. I love that you're focused on the caregiver, but then you're also going to start focusing on the older adult because, you know, we know about 80 to 90 percent of people, they want to age in place as long as mm -hmm. people and, you know, many Americans are fiercely independent uh, and they want to do as much as they can for themselves for as long as they can. Yes. Uh, and so I think that the resources that you're going to be offering is so fantastic. And we'll make sure to put your website in our show notes that folks can find you and take advantage of these great coaching resources in the podcast. And uh, I can't wait to check in with you, you know, okay. into next year and see how that eight, what, what is it called again? I love the name of it, the age in place aging, to stay in place. Aging safe in your place. Aging safe in your place. I love that. Mm -hmm. Very, very great title um, okay. and such a needed service um, yes. for so many. Yes. And I, that's, that's also, look, both of them are my, are my hearts, but there are so many that are living alone and really just need that education and really to even make them abreast of support services that can come in and help them. Many of them think if someone comes into my house, you know, it, it, it just makes them feel vulnerable or helpless or admitting that they are 
weekend. We know, and there's value in that companion of someone just coming in and being with you uh, to assist with some of those difficult tasks that you want to continue. But there is a lot of benefit of having another set of eyes on you mm-hmm. as you are doing those things that, that need to be done or you want to be done in the context of your home. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times I talk, when I talk with older adults about home care, I say, you know, our goal is to enhance your independence, yes. not take it away. We want to help you do as much as you can by yourself as long as you can. But we're that extra set of, like you said, eyes and ears there to maybe be in the bathroom or near the bathroom while you shower just to yes. prevent any falls or help if you need it. So you can continue to do that safely on your own. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're giving up all your independence and, and you know, before you know it, the kids will move, make you move yeah. out of the home. No, I yeah. I feel like the goal is the exact opposite. Yes. Keep you there, keep you safe. That's right. Exactly. Well, Consuela, I have so enjoyed our conversation today. Thank I've taken you. away so much and I hope that everyone listening has also taken away a lot. And I hope folks will visit Consuela's website, findingafoothold.com. And uh, Consuela, again, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing. Yes, I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I want to thank Consuela for joining me today. She's offered up so many great tips on how to set boundaries with the person you're caring for. I loved how she shared that setting boundaries can actually free up more time for you, the caregiver, to engage in self-care. We know it's so important. I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share about your own experience setting boundaries and any other tips that you would add to today's conversation. You can email me at caregiverchats at homeinsteadinc. Again, that's homeinsteadinc.com. In the upcoming episodes of Caregiver Chats, I'm going to do a two-part series on going home for the holidays. I can't believe the holidays are almost upon us, and it's this time of year that we often get together with family and spend times in the homes of our aging loved ones. It's a great opportunity to evaluate their care needs, assess their home, and learn about ways that we can all reduce our holiday stress. So I hope you'll tune into this series. I also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Home Instead Inc. Again, that's Home Instead I-N-C for previews of upcoming episodes, caregiving tips, and more. You can find all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and please remember to take good care of yourself while you care for others. Caregiver Chats is brought to you by Home Instead. If you're looking for in-home care to support you on your caregiving journey, please visit homeinstead.com slash caregiverchats to learn more.